Guys, I want to take a second to tell you about All Everything Entertainment. They are your home for the latest breaking news and opinions about sports, wrestling, and entertainment. From jock to geek and everyone in between, they will definitely have something for you. As I'm recording this, they have 10 live weekly podcasts that can be watched daily on Facebook, YouTube, or alleverythingentertainment.com. The replays are available on their Facebook YouTube, SoundCloud, or iTunes channels. Their shows run the gamut as they talk about the NFL, NBA, NHL, football, movies, bi-weekly top 10 countdowns, paranormal activity, wrestling, WWE, AEW, NJPW, UFC, Bellator, and so much more. These guys, they're just like you. They're passionate individuals who love a variety of subjects. And that's why they started this company in May of 2019 to kind of be a one-stop shop for entertainment. On September 11th, 2020, they made arguably their biggest signing by agreeing to terms with yours truly, the Working Fans Podcast. I was out of work sick and I was happy to join them as a part of their team you can find them on soundcloud facebook twitter instagram and youtube by searching all everything entertainment or go to all everything for their full schedule and a full list of their shows if you like us you will 100 percent like them thank you we want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show 482 designs that is F-O-U-R, the number is 82designs, 482designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82designs, at F-O-U-R, 82designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R, 82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality t-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's a light years better than our first one. Also, it divides the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. It's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they call Dave, AJ Strange Brew. And sitting in again this week, Mr. Jake St. John. And uh, he's going to start us off this week. Jake, we're talking about who is the better tag team wrestler Iron Anderson or Bobby, and I know you're a fan of both these guys. Give me a little insight of why you picked who you picked. So I, I am an absolute fan of both of these guys. I, the Enforcer, I just absolutely love Iron Anderson. And Dave, you know my love for the Midnight Express. Yeah. I just when, when I when I think of tag team wrestling, it's it's the Midnight Express. It, it's Stan Lee and Bobby and Jim Cornette. Whenever those guys are on TV, like I I can picture them after the show at a Denny's talking tag team wrestling, talking about what they're gonna do. Like they to me, the Midnight Express, they they made it real. However, in my pit. Going, going over some of the information I had, and none of it is official, it was just real quick research. I had Bobby Eaton with three championship partners, three tag team partners mm-hmm. uh, on top, uh, Condry, Lane, and Arn himself. The Express had three U.S. tag team championships. He actually had six Mid-America championship, tag team championships with Lanny Popo, yeah. if you can believe it. <laughs> 
And then he had, he had a couple other Mid-South secondary tag titles, uh, NWA, like Bluegrass, NWA, uh, not Wild Side, but a couple other secondary uh, titles. So Bobby Eaton, I mean, he was a tag specialist. You, you can't go wrong with Bobby. And I'm going to come back to Bobby in my explanation, but Arn Anderson... I had him right around five or six world championships with between the NWA and the WWF with Ole, Tully, Zabisco, Ian, and pretty Paul Roma. Yes. Arn got, Arn got Paul Roma, who I am a fan of, shockingly. Yeah. I, I, I can appreciate Connecticut, Paul Roma. Connecticut's own pretty Paul Roma. <laughs> Trainer of former guest of the show, Richard Holiday, by the way. Helped train some wrestlers. Absolutely. So with Arn, I, I had Arn with more runs on top. I had Arn with four-time Southeastern Tag Team Champion. He, he teamed with Bobby himself, and I'm going. I'm going with Arn only because Bobby had a hell of a run with the Midnight's. Love the Midnight Express, and even even teamed uh, occasionally with the uh, Heavenly Bodies. Yeah, but I'm going with Arn because Arn, Arn was on top with Oli as the Wrecking Crew a legendary team he was on top with Tully in the NWA in the WWF at a time where WWF was just stacked championship uh, tag teams he brought Eaton to the top and brought Roma so I'm giving today as it stands right now I'm giving Arn Anderson the rub but that takes nothing away from Bobby Eaton I mean it's hit or miss with both of them but as uh, the t-shirt says sponsors my appearance here today I'm uh, I'm going with the enforcer. No, and also Zabisco. Larry Zabisco, he had a tag title run. I want to say one thing, too. You take all those tag title runs to an iron, and that doesn't even count the fact I thought the guy had tremendous teams that didn't get a chance to belt because those other guys had big singles careers. I'm talking about Barry Rindam and Ric Flair. Iron was yes. an amazing partner with Barry Rindam and Ric Flair. And I, I'd like to piggyback on that real quick, Go. is that one of the other things last night when I was thinking about it is that Bobby Eaton, when Bobby Eaton was in a team, you knew it was going to be a good team. It was going to be a fun team to watch. But when Arn Anderson was had a tag team partner, whether you're tuning in to Saturday night's uh, main event and it was Arn and some other guy, mm-hmm. because Arn was in the tag team, you always thought that they had a chance to win. You always thought that Arn Anderson's team was a world championship contender. So I, I took that he his matches always sold me on the fact that he his team could possibly win whoever they're in the ring against. And as we're recording this, AJ has apparently left his chat for some reason. Yeah, sorry, AJ. I don't know if I uh, ticked him off or not. <laughs> you got Bobby eating heat with AJ. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to keep going, and we'll just see if he gets in. I'll wrap this up if I have to. Uh, so just uh, some insight on some people that voted. I got another vote for uh, Iron from Randy. He didn't really give us much detail. Scott actually went with... Uh, Bobby, but he his he leaned that way because he felt like the Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express rivalry was also one of the catalysts. And he was, you know, it's funny, me and you kind of, I think, agree. He was a bigger Bobby Condry fan. I was a bigger Bobby Lane fan. I thought Bobby Lane really had that magic. Like Lane was, like, made to be in the Midnight Express, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they were, like, just everything about the team, the Bobby with the long tights and then Stan with the matching short trunks and uh, Cornette is the loud mouthpiece and yeah. Bobby being beautiful Bobby and sweet Stan. I mean... Another argument, like I'm kind of arguing against myself here, but with yeah. Bobby, the Midnight Express. I mean, how long was that? How long were they around for between uh, Condry and Ian, and even Condry and Randy Rose? Which 
that's not part of the conversation. But the Minute Express, their longevity mm-hmm. was amazing. Where Arn and Tully were only together for two, three years, I think, and then Oli and Arn. I, I, I don't have that number. Um, yeah. I just kind of Arn had more championship at an important time in the business, mm-hmm. and. I also thought that, like, whenever Arn Anderson was in the ring, if he was in the ring wrestling for the television title, you knew Arn could be walking out with the television title. Right. Same thing, if Arn, was, if Arn was in a tag team match, no matter who his tag team partner was, you knew that Arn and said tag team partner could be walking out with the winner first. My phone overheated. <laughs> uh, I, I thought I ticked you off. I thought yeah. you were putting on Bobby. Yeah, yeah, Bobby eating heat here. <laughs> Nah, my phone overheated from sitting in windshield on the holder thing. Well, AJ, while we have you here, <laughs> in case you go out again, why don't you give us some insight on who you would pick as the better tag wrestler and why? See, this is a tough one for me because are we going by who would be more famous, who had the better career, or are we just going by who's the better tag wrestler? Your call. Make, make an argument. All right, so... One of the best wrestlers on the planet that I've heard from so many different people around the world ever, Mm -hmm. and one of the best tag team workers in the world, and this is people like Ricky Steamboat, people like Ricky Morton, uh, Robert Gibson, these are people... Like Iron Anderson, I know where you're going with this. Iron Anderson have said that Bobby Eaton is the greatest pure wrestler to actually, a tag team wrestler to ever lace up the boots. Mm. And a hell of a nice guy too. And one of the nicest people on the planet and can almost speak English. But, (laughs) he, if those guys think he's the greatest tag team wrestler of all time, who the hell am I to disagree with that? So to me, he's bar not by far the best tag team wrestler on the planet. However, if you're going by most famous and most successful, then it's Iron Anderson. Iron Anderson has been successful with the Dangerous Alliance. He's been successful mm. in the WWF. He's been successful in the WWE. He was successful in Georgia, Pensacola. Wherever Iron Anderson went, he found a way to be a tag team wrestler and to be successful. So as a pro wrestler overall, success, Iron Anderson as a tag team wrestler, I will never, ever say anyone's better than Bobby Eaton. Okay, so your vote's going for Bobby Eaton this week then. Yes. Okay. Well, God damn it. <laughs> sorry, to be, sorry, sorry to be so intense there, but if my phone does die again, I want to make sure I got that in there. That's all right. <laughs> At the end of the day, I am going with Iron Anderson. You kind of hit it on the head when you were joking, but they're so neck and neck as a tag team wrestler in terms of success and the way they work. They're both mechanics. So when I start sizing them up and I start looking for little things I would give someone the nod, there ain't much argument that Iron Anderson was a better promo. And when you're talking about, yes, tag team wrestling, you still got to cut a promo before your tag match or singles match or anything. So to me, promo is always part of it. So I'm going to give a slight nod to Iron Anderson because really it's dead friggin' even and I'm looking for a reason to give somebody the edge here. Go ahead, AJ. You want to say something? (laughs) I was going to say, in fairness to Bobby and they were smart enough to give him Jim Cornette because... The Midnight Express, I mean, Stan Lane could talk a little bit, hmm. but Dennis, um, freaking, um, well, yeah, he could barely speak also. Mm-hmm. So, Cornette <laughs> was so important to that tag team. 100%. And I, Dave, I, think, uh, I think you and I talked about this earlier this week, that like, with, with the perfect heel team, you have 
team itself, and then you've just got a hateable manager. Right. And I think I think the Midnight Express overall was just such a solid product. And that theme song, the yeah. uh, that like synthesized uh, rhythm, and oh yeah, I hated they, they were just phenomenal. Yeah, I hated them when I was a kid. Like, before I fully respected him. If you talk about, like, you know, teams like you just had automatic heat with you. Like, when I saw this guy Jim Cornette come out, like, I'm a little kid. And, you know, I want to root for the manly, bigger and larger than life wrestlers. And I see this little twerp come out. I'm like, I hate this guy. How much is this guy get punched in the face? In fairness, Dave, if they weren't drinking from Hogan's thermos, you really didn't like him as a kid. That's bullshit. <laughs> Let me tell you, I uh, I was not the biggest Hogan guy. Now, I have a lot of respect for Hogan as the draw, and I did like Hogan as a kid. But I tend to lean towards guys like Jimmy Snuka, Andre, Rowdy Piper. I was always like the middle like, I don't know, I was always rooting for that middle guy, like that guy close to the top. I wanted to see them win. This I, is Steve, like one of my all-time favorites. What's that? Yeah, I, I didn't like the cookie-cutter babies. I, I remember one Christmas mm. when the uh, when those 12-inch uh, Hasbro yeah. wrestling team came out. And I, I, always liked, I always liked the heels, always. Yeah. I remember waking up Christmas morning and a bunch of aunts and uncles and cousins. I must have had four or five Odin. And I was like, what the hell am I going to do with uh, a bunch of Hogan? I, I hate Hogan, one, so I ain't booking the guy. And two, who is he going to wrestle against? I, I, I didn't have anybody else. So I, I was not a Hulkamaniac. Not posing tonight, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for me, it was always, like, I always liked those guys that were close because even now, I don't know what it is, like, even, like, in UFC or MMA when I'm watching a fight, one of the things I like is the guys who are on the cusp of greatness. Like, I talk to people who hate, they're like, where are the stars? Where are the stars? And, yeah, you got to have stars. I like stars, but I don't, I've always been about that chase, personally. I love the guys that are on the way up, whether it's a good heel or baby face, but if they can give me something to work with, I'm like, man, like, Edge. When Edge came on the scene, I'm like, I'd like to see that guy make it someday. And then I was like, oh, wow. You know, he had, that, he had like a real quick one with the Intercontinental title. And before he was going to be like a great tag wrestler, I thought, oh, I'm just so happy he got that. Never thought this guy was going to have the legendary career he did where he won all those world titles. But, you know, we're getting off pass here a little bit. <laughs> At the end of the day... Dave always liked the fringe guys, like Ultimate Warrior. I did like Ultimate Warrior. That music, I, I, that intensity. I, I like Sid. I was a Sid, Sid. Yeah, the music, too, that he was coming out to, the look, the intensity, oh, God, the yeah. skyscrapers. And, Jake, you talked about this early on. Lex Luger, the United States title run, where he had the music. He was hitting people yeah. with clotheslines, getting the pin. You sold me on it as a kid. Now I'd probably be like, yeah. Oh, yeah. what else could this guy do? I agree with you with Sid. However, call me Papa Shango because the warrior always made me throw up. <laughs> Papa Shango was another character that I really appreciated and... Probably wouldn't be taken too well today. No, but no, not at all. I, I enjoyed it. Even his work as a soul taker. I mean, he had talent coming yeah. up like it. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that Papa Shango is probably a little less racist than The Godfather. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes into the Hall of Fame as The Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> but I, before we move on from Bobby and Arn, there was a clash of the champions. Bobby was television champion, yep. and he, he uh, made event against Flair. Flair uh, sure. And I, I remember watching that, and knowing Flair was the guy, and knowing that Flair's not dropping the title on TV, but every every near fall, here's Bobby. Bobby's gonna do it. They're gonna they're gonna shock the world. And Bobby's gonna be mm. the world champion. And that match always stood out. I love that I one. Talk, I was gonna say, I know we talked about. 
all the partners that Iron had, but one of my favorite tag teams, believe it or not, oh. was actually Steven Regal and Bobby. Yeah, the Blue Bloods. talk about two great wrestlers. I know they were playing a gimmick, mm-hmm. but just the pure wrestling in the ring was absolutely amazing. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Actually, a little off subject, but talking about tag wrestlers versus Ric Flair, Flair really had a great thing going with tag wrestlers, Ricky Morton, Bobby Eaton. He had the one match with Iron. It was good. For whatever reason, it disappointed me at the time. And you find out later they might not have been working well together. Flair was on his way out the first time. But when Flair took on Scott Steiner at a Clash of the Champions, I remember Steiner being so hot at then with a Frankenstein. And I was so excited for that match. It ended up being a draw. And it, it didn't click as well for some reason. I found out later. But that, the funny, yeah. Wait a minute. The funny thing about that is a lot of people want to put the blame on Flair because he was heading out. Steiner didn't want that singles run. Steiner part still of wanted to actually wrestle the tag team. And I think part of it was him trying not to actually be a singles wrestler at that point. Well, apparently there was some heat, obviously, for years with Scott and Rick. And a lot of people yeah, thought it was from the Nitro the era. Intro. But it actually might have been some of that was from that class match, it turns out, possibly, yeah. too. So, you never know. Man, you know what? This whole idea of Iron versus Bobby debate, Jake, part of this manifested from a conversation me and you had during this week when we were talking about just tag team wrestling. I will miss the era of tag team wrestling. now. And hey, you've heard me talk about, <laughs> you know, in the past, about, oh, the, you know, Hulk Hogan and that debate, blah, blah, blah. My favorite time period in tag team wrestling is right before they took off that NWA, WCW, where they might not have been the most successful company, but they had the Samoan SWAT team, the Skyscrapers, the Steiners, the Legion of Doom were still there, the Midnight Express, Tom Zink and Brian Pillman, the Southern Boys. Might not be good now. It doesn't matter. You know, they were all great teams, the Freebirds. Yeah, it's amazing. All of them were almost as good as the Killer Bees. <laughs> hey, the British Bulldogs are one of my favorite tag teams. WWE had some great tag teams back then, too. And no knock on the Killer Bees, but they were. Uh, Zach's one of the biggest uh, British Bulldogs fans you'll find. Dude, I mean, there was a time period where you could see all those teams I just mentioned. You could have turned into Texas and saw the Freebirds and the Von Erichs. You could have saw all those teams and death. And you could have turned into AWA and saw the Midnight Rockers versus Playboy Buddy Rose and Doug Summers. Like, there was a lot of great teams, man. Although, although, wait a minute. In fairness to the AWA, <laughs> at one point on their Super Clash, when they actually brought everybody together with NWA, AWA, they do have that hidden gem of the Rockers versus the British Bulldogs. Which is a hell of a match. Right. You have a good chance to see that. There's also yeah, one where the Rock and Roll Express wrestled the Bulldogs somewhere, too. That's a team I wish in their prime we could have saw the Bulldogs versus Ender Prime, the Steiner Brothers. To me, that would have been a match. Given the way they can wrestle and how hard-hitting they were, it would have been very interesting. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But... All right, guys, the slight nod's going to go to Bobby Eaton this week, judging by the votes, four to three. So no hate there as far as a tag wrestler. I do think we all kind of agree that Iron had probably a slightly better career overall. And obviously, definitely Lightyear's the better interview. No offense, Bobby, we love you. <laughs> At the end of the day, when it came down to tag team wrestling, by a hair, we're going to go with Bobby Eaton. Dave, um, unlike you this time, you know, I, I'm a genuine face. It's what I do. I'm a, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's my personality. Hundred um, percent. I, I want. I want to invite Jake back to any time because I think he's added something to this. Sure. I know you don't feel. I know you don't feel the same way. I'm a dick. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm, gonna, 
I'm going to outvote you on this one. By call, uh, uh, don't make me call Joe. No. And, and Jake, please, I thought you added a lot to this. Anytime you want to come back and do this, please join us. Yeah, I'd love to. Awesome, Thank guys. You. All right, guys. We're out. All right, adios. Hey, guys, this is Amber Nova, your American Muscle Pro Wrestler, and I just tuned up the Working Fans Podcast. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they call Dave, and today we have a special guest. She is a former EMT. She is the proud daughter of a mechanic. She is a model slash pro wrestler, and she has competed in companies such as Impact and WWE's NXT. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Amber Nova. Amber, how are you? I'm doing great. That was excellent introduction, and I am ready to tune up this podcast. That got me uh, I'm revved up now. Awesome, awesome. I love it. Let's start off with that. You're very enthusiastic about being a daughter of a mechanic. This seems bad. Who was the mechanic? I don't want to assume. Was it your mom? Was it your dad? Or who was the mechanic? Dad, dad, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now. But hey, but hey, listen, my mom is up on that car and still, like, she was still with me the last few years. She'd be up under the car helping my dad and right by his side. So, yeah, ever since they were teenagers, they've been together. I think about 20 something, uh, 20 years now. Awesome. So, yeah, my mom would do some stuff on the car as well. She had her own 62 Chevy 2 Nova. And then she sold that not too long ago, but she had her own as well. How did you, like, were you a wrestling fan? And was there somebody who was a wrestling fan that got you into it? How did that happen? So, yeah, dad, ever since I was a kid, dad would always have Monday Night Raw, whatever, uh, WCW wrestling on. And when I was a kid, I just grew up watching it. And then the older I got, I, I, I continued to watch it, even when I was an EMT. And that's when I saw all these women coming up in the business, these young, beautiful, talented, and they weren't the size of China. So I was like, man, maybe I could do this. <laughs> and yeah, I just, I had a love for wrestling. I used to go to Savannah Civic Center with my sisters and, and friends growing up when we were little girls. And we would, you know, I watched Ring Mysterio, Randy, Batista, and I, I see all these guys growing up. And, and then there you go. I, I decided to give it a try myself. And it turns out I'm physically, mentally capable of doing it. Not everyone is, too. They think this is an easy business. And it's, it is not. <laughs> Definitely not. If you've been following it and you pay attention even, you're going to see things where you're like, oh, yeah, these guys put their bodies through a lot of damage. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Is that something, you know, speaking of tuning up, like, like, do you do a lot of self-care, like taking care of, like, your body, like, in the off time? Like, do you know, like, whether it's, like, you know, a chiropractor, massages, is that important? Is that part of your daily routine, or how's that? Oh, absolutely. I go to my chiropractor that I've been seeing since I moved to Orlando five years ago at Orlando Sports Chiropractic. I go once a week. You know, there were times where if my schedule was busy or I just couldn't get in, I would go a couple weeks or a week without going to the chiropractor. But since the pandemic and things slowing down and things opening back up, I go every week and I've still been wrestling and training, doing some small shows here in Orlando. But yeah, self-care is super important. I stress, I stress like crazy all the time. Um, even just and they say, like, even like little breaks throughout the day, just sitting down for a long period of time, you're working, just taking those few minutes to, like, do some stretches, touch your toes, get, you know, stretch your spine out. I'm also a huge fan of hot yoga, Orlando Power Yoga. I do that here. My sweat sash, it's, like, the best for your body. So, yeah, hot yoga, chiropractor, stretching, and I am a sucker for massages. I, uh, <laughs> I, Same. I mean, someone just starts rubbing Same. my shoulders. <laughs> yeah, someone just starts rubbing my neck and my shoulders and I just, like, no secrets. 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, yeah, I definitely am big on taking care of my body because nobody really knows just how painful this really is unless you've done it yourself. And it, I'm telling you, it's 50%, it's 80%, 80% pain what we do. Don't get us wrong. Like, we also, you know, there's pleasure and we enjoy it, but a lot of pain. Now, did you have an athletic background before this? Did you do any kind of sports or anything? So, yeah, growing up, I did volleyball. Like, when I was in middle school, I did county cheerleading squad as well around that front. And then my freshman year of high school, I made varsity cheerleading. And it was a nice accomplishment. I was the only other freshman to make varsity with the tryout. And I liked it. I stuck with it a bit. But I didn't like the drama that came along with some of it. And I, I guess I just was on a different path. So I didn't stick with cheerleading too long. I ended up leaving that. I did dance. We did theater. I wanted, you know, a little taste of everything when I was in high school. So I mean, that's awesome. I mean, I imagine, you know, theater and the athletic background is all kind of mixing into what you do now. So that's important, right? I mean. Yeah, it, it does. And it's, it's, it's definitely helpful having had done a few of those things. So, yeah, but I wasn't uh, like a gymnast or like a serious, serious competitor athlete growing up. I've just been gifted with a healthy body and genetics. Good, good parents, so. What would you describe as the hardest part of being a pro wrestler? Is it the promos or is it the damage you take? The hardest part of being a pro wrestler. It's, I mean, I want to. I really want to say it's a lot of mental psychology, mentally, and and what we do in making everything make sense of what you're doing in the ring when you're competing. Yeah. And obviously, it's physical. It's a hundred percent physical. I mean, you don't know what it's like when you really get in there and you start taking bumps, and then the next day you can't turn your neck. Like I've gone through so many days where I can't turn my neck it's so solid and stiff, and this is. But why I say it's mental is because once you're physically feeling that pain, then it's all mental to push through it. Like how bad do you want this? Because you don't make money at this for quite some time until you really can prove yourself. And the more you invest in yourself, the more other people are going to invest in you. And, and today. You know, I just I see these wrestling schools today. I see a lot of these young guys coming in, and they just they think it's so easy. And I don't know. I guess I've, I've seen a lot of young people complain here and there, but it's like you know, then you look at them and, and you go, well, how often are you in the gym? How often are you sacrificing time to to make yourself appear and be a superstar? You know, these guys dedicated their bodies in the gym and everything to look and be who they are. So it's I tell you, I, today it's not like it was for the guys coming up, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, because I've been able to learn from some of the greatest. Like, Hector Guerrero was just at my dojo, and I got to go out to dinner with him and his wife, Penny, and we talked, and this is not the first time I've gotten to train with Hector a few times, and that man is just full of so much wisdom, and, when you know, when he talks and he smiles and talks about memories, it's like, man, like, him and his brother, Eddie, like, the time for them when it came up with wrestling, like, it's a different world then, the time... I mean, it just sounds great. And then you just, you watch it compared to now. It's so different. But yeah, just learning the evolution of where I am today with women's wrestling and, and just in wrestling in general compared to where they were. Yeah, it definitely seems like there's a mindset that's different. Like, I think I was hearing some of the bait that's like, you would not see, like, you know, Bret Hart was so concerned about his character and how he was going to be portrayed, and there was this big creative thing, whereas, like, nowadays, like, I think they were saying, like, that would probably never happen. It would just be like, you know, Vince or whoever's in charge is like, well, that's your finish, and that's it, and it would be like, okay, no problem, or it's like, you know, like, it just seems like there was a lot more, a lot more concerned about the character aspect back in the day, at least. I, I can... I can see what you mean by that, protecting your identity and protecting just your overall brand. You know, every 
every wrestler out there and every, let's just say every superstar, they're building a brand for themselves. You know, I'm my own brand. I'm, I want to say, unique and individual compared to some other women that I, that I separate myself from. And I have those, those qualities that are just so different and unique. And then some, these guys coming up, they're building their own brand and they, they have that superstar quality to protect. So I, I see what you mean about that, yeah. Who was involved in your initial training when you were breaking in? I contacted the Team Vision Dojo, I believe, in wrestling school five years ago when I moved to Orlando. And, you know, I've had the help of so many people out of that school. The most recent in the last few years is, like, Ivalice, Loki. Lince Dorado was one of the first five years ago that was at my dojo helping train me before he got picked up. The WWE, he's in the Lisa House Party. I mean, just a ton of, a ton of people I've, I've gotten to work with out of that dojo. That, and then I got to branch off from there to other places. So, yeah, that's where I started. Now, how is working with Loki? He seems very professional and very all business and everything that, like, I've ever seen with him. Yes, I like, I really like his style. And I've gotten to just grapple around with him in the ring, and I love that. Just, like, just shooting on each other, kind of grappling, see what we can get, see what we can grab our holds. And that really just helps with his technique in wrestling. And he's, he's, he's great to work with. He really is. And then I've also learned from, you know, the older guys, like I've mentioned, Hector Guerrero. Got all Larry Zabisco, bunch of a bunch of guys, and I've gotten to learn so many different types of styles from old school to new style that I can incorporate little pieces and, and create an Amber Nova. Absolutely, now I mean that's right, right? You're trying to incorporate a little bit of everything and make this one style your own. I, I see that. That's awesome. You ended up at Impact Wrestling at one point. How did that happen? And how uh, was your stay at Impact? Yeah. A lot of people think I was signed, and I wasn't signed to Impact. I was just paid for appearance, and I did a few of my, my very first TV matches there with Allie, who's uh, now in AEW, and a few other women, Deanna, Sue Young, Taya Valkyrie, Rosemary. Good. And, that, and that was my first like TV experience then. I was pretty new. I'd only been in business, I think, two years. I'd been doing matches for, I think, like a year, a year and a half. And Impact Wrestling was doing this TV tapings at Universal, they haven't been in Orlando for a few years now since then. And I, I got the opportunity through people that knew my trainers and recommended me. And all because I, I proved myself and my hard work and training, they recommended me. And, you know, I got to work with Gail Kim. She was my agent, and she's wonderful. And it's just, it, was, it was amazing. It was a really good experience. And from there, I, you know, I worked for NXT. I've had two matches with them. Last year alone, I wrestled in three different countries. I went to London last June. Then uh, South Africa, and then Panama in six months' time. And I was just, really, things were picking up. I was doing good in my international travel, and that was supposed to happen again this year. Hmm. Unfortunately, the pandemic has slowed a few things down, but I'm just going to keep working hard for a TV contract. Do you love to travel? I do. I love, I mean, I, it's a little scary, you know? It's right. like, wow, I'm going all over the place, but it's um, exciting. It's exciting, scary. It's adventurous. The, the interactions I've had with, the promotions and people I've met and worked in other countries have been amazing. The, hospi the hospitality alone that they showed me in South Africa, Panama, mm. it's just really great. I've had good experiences. No, that's awesome. And I mean, I would think, you know, like that's the thing you, you hear some people struggle with is the travel. So if you embrace that and love that, I would think that would give you a leg up over some people. I absolutely do. I'm, I'm not one to complain. I'm not one that, you know, I didn't come from much. I've always worked for everything my whole life, you know, in this, like I said, the daughter of a mechanic, my mom had five kids all around the same time, so we had to share everything. We weren't just 
spoiled or didn't come from money. So getting to have worked so hard up to this point where I'm making this money and I'm doing everything that I've wanted to do set myself, I'm proud. Obviously, I want to be signed to the big TV company and consistent with them, but if I can do the traveling on my own without them, then I think I'm doing a pretty damn good job of it so far. And I mean, both companies are basically operating out of Florida right now, both major companies. So, I mean, I guess that's one thing with the pandemic. If you did get signed, there probably wouldn't be a lot of travel right away. You could, you know, maybe get an opportunity. And then, you know, hopefully, though, a couple months down the road, well, you know, everything will be back to normal at some point, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, we all we all hope for that and we say that, but I don't think the world after this year will ever go back to normal. I feel like I feel like change should happen for the better. Like the world needed to be a cleaner place. Like I've always been a really clean person. You know, like, I I already had hand sanitizer, you know, in my car for when I left the gas station right away. Like I've always been really clean. But maybe the world needed just like this step, and then other things would happen. But yeah, I I don't know. Like, I'm I'm kind of wondering like. So when things open back up and, and WWE and WWE was traveling and doing their events again, I mean, it's going to be social distancing or people still wearing masks mm-hmm. or everyone's crowded together like they used to be. And then are people going to feel comfortable being crowded like that like they used to without masks on? It's so crazy. I don't know. Yeah, that's a lot of questions, right? I mean, like if you get a it's vaccine. It's going to take a lot of time. I was thinking, like, even if you have a vaccine, like, I mean, are we going to be, like, probably, like, wearing bracelets and stuff to show that we have a vaccine before we go out? You know, I don't know. It's going to be a different world. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, you're a model as well. Is it hard? Maybe not now, but or maybe it is. I don't know. Is it hard to balance the two? Was it? Is it easier now? During the pandemic and during the shutdown, I'm a brand influencer, brand ambassador for certain clothing companies, sportswear and other things, and I wasn't able to do any shoots because... You weren't able to, to go out, you know, it was a shutdown, you know, you weren't supposed to be out and about. A few few weeks, you know, like in the month that the shutdown happened, I didn't do any photo shoots or things like that. And now, I've actually had more, a little more time on my hands, since I'm not traveling out of state and not wrestling shows as much, that I have been able to do more of my brand influencing and, and promotional stuff. So, it's, I've just been, I don't know, I'd like everybody just taking life as it is and, and working as hard as you can and doing what what you can do and doing the best that you can do right now. And it's been going well, though. You seem like you really like to keep busy. Was that always the case? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think I've always been a, a busy body. Like, when I was an EMT, you know, I used to work 36-hour, 24-hour shifts with no sleep, just going into going. And wow. I worked a lot. I liked it. And I saved up and decided I wanted to pursue some, some bigger dreams out there, and I've been doing it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing what you can do. Like, I mean, like for my line of work, like even today, like I think we're recording this interview right now. It's like in the noontime. And like I left my house at like one thirty in the morning. I did my job that I normally do. And, you know, I got home in the afternoon. Now we're doing this interview and I got some other stuff lined up. But I mean, that's it, right? Like if you want to do something, whether it's podcasting, whether it's wrestling, whether it's being a model, I mean, like you got to like, you know, you got to sacrifice. Yeah, you have to sacrifice. And I can't this enough to people that ask me for advice uh coming into this business for any advice it takes drive and that's why i'm all about my nova drive i'm all about my you know i'm not just some car girl i really invest in this and believe in it because it takes drive it takes determination it takes sacrifice and i know i just can't stress that enough to people if you want something you have to be willing to sacrifice everything i moved to orlando with a nova and a dream that's it. No friends, no family. I didn't know anyone. And it was 
awful in the first year. It was rough. I'm, I'm beating the hell out of my body doing something that I didn't know was physically that awful at first. And, because, you know, I left my career job as an EMT where I did support people that were, like, paralyzed. And, I'm, and now I'm risking myself at this. And, you know, there were days, like I said, I couldn't turn my neck. And it was it was rough. And then not knowing anyone and everything, I just, but I didn't give up. And I just kept pushing through. And that first year was not easy. And second year came a little easier, and, and I got adjusted more and more. And now I, I just feel more and more aware that, like, I'm doing the right thing. That hard work does pay off. And you, you, have to, you have to be willing to sacrifice self. Yeah, it seems like the hardest part sometimes is like when you are struggling, it's just mentally stepping through those doors, right? Just, okay, I just got to get there. Once I get there, we'll figure it out, right? <laughs> Especially this year alone. And then with the, the COVID and the pandemic, hmm. it is not a good time to be a wrestler or be in entertainment whatsoever. For, for anybody, it's not, it's not easy on anyone in that industry right now. And then to trying to stay afloat and pay your bills and get by... And and then keep at it, not give up. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not easy. It's definitely a different time, you know. You hear a lot of times people will say they've been in business for a while. You, you got to be the wrestler. Don't you're not playing wrestler. Be a wrestler. And we, I think that is like a mindset. So like when you're coming to the ring, is there like a certain mindset that you're in, and is there a certain way you prep yourself to get into that mindset? I agree with that 100. percent And I think that is like more depth to that than people know. Like what I was mentioning about the young people, these younger people than me or whoever coming into the business thinking, oh, I can be a wrestler, it's easy, right? But then they, they don't see how much it really takes and the dedication. And yeah, you're not, you're not playing wrestler. Like my background, I, like I said, I've learned from Loki and my other trainers that are black belts. And, and I've learned from like styles of jiu-jitsu. And I want to learn actual submission move. I want to actually know how to shoot, to really wrestle, to, and, and you, a lot of people want to play this sport, but this is a real sport. Like when I get in the ring with girls that maybe don't know what they're doing as well, and they're starting to hurt me, and I need to protect myself, I do what I got to do. If I need to calm somebody down, I know how to do that. You know, you need how to put them in a hole and say, hey, you need to calm down. You know, do you want to wrestle? Do you want to entertain? Or do you want to, do you want to shoot on each other? And you have to be physically and mentally professional and capable of doing that. So that's where it's like, oh, you want to play wrestle, play the wrestler, or do you want to really be one? And that's where I, like, respect people that really know that background of, you know, the hatchet can wrestling, where it all originated from, and then became pro wrestling. So I really love that that background of the hatchet can wrestling. I like training with Loki and people that really have a background in that. Because I'm not trying to play a wrestler, I'm trying to actually be one. I'm a competitor in that ring, I want to be taken serious. And nowadays, there's so many wrestling shows and there's so many people that are like, I'll be honest, they're not trained that well. And if I'm going to get in the ring with someone that's not trained that well, I'm not willing to break my neck or paralyze myself for anybody. Or, and so, I'm going to protect myself. I want to make sure that the person I'm working is going to be safe with me. And if they're not, then I'm going to know how to calm them down and put that hold on them and make them realize, hey, do you want to you want to entertain you want to wrestle? <laughs> no, I mean, that that is awesome. I love the way you explained that analogy, too. You got to be a badass, yeah. Yeah. One of the guys, I, I watch MMA as well, and uh, I used to do jiu-jitsu myself, and one of the guys that, like, I'm a big fan of is Josh Barnett. 
because to me, like he's an MMA fighter, but he's also a pro wrestler. And I've had guests on before, and we talk about this sometimes where, you know, I love MMA, but they don't always give the respect to pro wrestlers for being as tough as they are for the punishment. And it's a completely different animal. I understand that. But Josh Barnett is a guy that he has the catch his catch ran background with Billy Robinson. He trains a lot of wrestlers like Shayna Baszler. And, you know, like I know, like I've seen interviews with him where he's talked about that companies he worked for, I think it was Strike Force, that they tried to put down, like, what was your background in fighting? And he put down pro wrestler. And they didn't appreciate that. They ended up putting something else, like brawler or something. And I thought to myself, like, that's such a great thing. Like, there's a guy who's, like, trying to push that. And I like that you have that same attitude that, you know, okay, you know. Yeah, this, pro this, wrestling. Right, go ahead. <laughs> and it's, well, I, I agree with you. I mean, yeah, like, like I said, the Pakistan wrestling where, you know, it's all really originally is from and then became pro wrestling. You know, not it's not phony. We we learn the same submission moves that they do in MMA. We we learn a lot of other things, but we're also entertainment. Absolutely, and, and you know. What? Uh, I was going to say, I want your opinion on this, too. It's like what happened with Matt Hardy, I'm sure you heard the other night, where he took the fall, and, you know, it looked like he was concussed. He had his head on the concrete, right? Right. And looks like he was concussed. He had his legs falling underneath him. He ended up getting back there. And there was a lot of controversy of him getting back in the ring. And I was telling somebody, because somebody was asking, like, you know, like they said he took a test in between. I said, well, a lot of times if you watch an MMA fight, a guy's getting knocked around, and the doctor will ask the fighter, are you ready? Well, the fighter or the pro wrestler in this situation is probably going to go yes. Now, the difference... Oh, right. They're always, yeah, always going to do... Right. They're not going to back down. They're usually always going to say yes, even if they don't realize that they're concussed. And that's another thing, like the concussion, the things you put your body through, crazy. And I was going to say, too, and one thing, too, like, and this being a difference between MMA and pro wrestling, yeah, MMA, you're bashing each other's heads. It's a different type of animal. I get that. But you know what? I bet a lot of MMA guys wouldn't have gone back out like Matt Hardy and have to climb a scaffold. I bet they wouldn't have done that when their legs were <laughs> underneath them. And I'm sure they wouldn't have done what Mick Foley did and got thrown off a cell or took in thumbtacks. So uh, yeah. it's a different animal. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's nice to know that just some people can still respect both sides of it and not side to one over the other Absolutely. I try to preach that as much as I can. I really love the fact that you want to be taken seriously. I think it's awesome that, uh, you know, you get it and it's been fun having you on. Now, is there uh, anything you want to promote coming up? And of course, social media. Yes, absolutely. You guys aren't familiar with my matches or me. You can search Amber Nova. You can watch a lot of my matches on YouTube. Follow me on my social media. It's Amber Nova 73 on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can also get geared up with me. I have autographs posters, photos, grease rags, I do combo deals, you can just shoot me a DM or an email if you're interested in getting any merchandise or geared up. I have upcoming shows that I'm actually really excited about. My first out-of-state booking since February will be October 24th for Hurricane Pro out in Texas, Beaumont, Texas. So I'm looking forward to that event. I have some other events getting lined up. Um, a new company, New Breed Entertainment, you can check them out on my Twitter, and that'll be November 6th. Seven. They got some big names that are lining up for that show as well. So finally starting to take some out-of-state booking. I'm hoping to see you guys. And yeah, just keep on rocking in the free world. Awesome. That was great. I love when people put a spin on it. Thank you so much, Amber. You were great. I'm glad we got to actually do this.
All right, everybody, welcome back for another week of the 531, where we take our top five list on a particular subject, vote it down to a top three, and then debate that three down to a top one. This week, our first week is a part of the All Everything Entertainment Podcast Network. We're bringing you the top five wrestlers from Minnesota. And I'm going to kick this off with Jesse from New Hampshire. He had the Road Warriors, Demolition, Mr. Perfect, Ric Flair, and Rick Rude. I love that he put some tag teams on there. Road Warriors and Demolition, absolutely awesome. In fact, Barry Darso there, uh, he was part of the Russians at one point, too, at Krefer Kuchet. So, Barry's been a part of a few tag teams in his career. And good to see him get on there. Yeah, and it's wild that like the two tag teams that are synonymous with Minnesota got brought up so quick. Of course, yeah. Mr. Perfect on there. I think he'd be hard-pressed to find a list that doesn't have Ric Flair. No, nah, we got a couple, actually. And Rick yeah. Rude. I mean, just the careers those guys had. We got AJ. He's coming in with the whoo, makes the boy Ric Flair, which is his all-time favorite wrestler, by the way. So I'm not surprised he's on the list. Ravishing Rick Rude, another great one. Wait, did I say Ric Flair was his favorite wrestler? My God, I forgot. We got Vern Gagne on this list right here. If you guys didn't think he was going Vern Gagne, then you were fucking wrong. Well, Kurt Henning makes it, and then our wild card speaker. Greg Gagne? Bronco. Bronco the Gertie. <laughs> Bron- okay. God, I feel like he's really trying to pop Randy with that pick. I'm sure. Yeah, I think Randy is literally popped somewhere as we speak. <laughs> My next list is from Zach St. John. He has Kurt Hennig. Nikita Koloff, Jesse Ventura, Rick Rude, and the Road Warriors. Nikita Koloff? Nikita Koloff was number two, former guest of the show. Yeah, nice to see. Nice to see. Glad to see. Koloff had a great, great gimmick. Obviously, a legit tough guy. Not a legit Russian, though. Not a legit Russian. I mean, neither was Darso, for that matter. What is it about Minnesota guys that they make perfect Russians? I have no clue. Can you imagine Rick Flair being a Russian? (laughs) I can't imagine Ric Flair being Spartacus for that matter. Uh, Ah, God. We got Mike Flynn coming in next year. Hold on. Before we move on, I just want to talk about Jesse Ventura for a second. We talked about it a minute ago, but we didn't record that little piece of gold. But he made a lot of money, and he was one of the few people to sue Vince McMahon and win, if I believe correctly. Yes, he was. Jesse Ventura, third-party candidate there. He was mayor of Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, governor of Minnesota. Did a lot of action movies like Total Recall and Predator. And now he's knee-deep in conspiracy theories and living in a compound in Mexico. That's the only thing I'm knee-deep in, Joe Styart. Don't (laughs) you forget it, pal. (laughs) K-Fame. We killed that bit. All right, Mike is next. He's got Kurt Henning, Rick Rude, and I know Joey loved this take before we were recording, and now we are recording, so I'm going to say it again. Bob Backlund. Oh, wow. I don't think I could pop with the same enthusiasm that I did the first time I heard that, but I would have associated it more with Connecticut that I forget about the Minnesota roots. All right, Joe. Just remember to record next time. Smoke less weed. All right. Oh, geez, man. We fucked up again. No, we're recording. I'm just fucking around. Okay. Good man. Good man. Uh, Now it was Chad Gable. As I was saying before, no one heard. (laughs) Hey, I heard it, man. I was listening. Criminally underrated, that said. Not Shorty G at that. That's that Gable. Yeah, I think it's horrible what they're doing with him right now versus his ability. 
Like, he came in on fire, and they just, it seems like anything's been done to neuter him of looking powerful, which is sad. Now, the next... They don't like short people. AJ (laughs) neither. (laughs) (laughs) Now, next up on the list, I'll bring you my list. I got Ric Flair, the Road Warriors, Mr. Perfect, and Brad Rangins. Not a guy that ever made it huge, but was instrumental in training Brock. You've heard Eric Bischoff talk about him before. Well-respected in the business. Absolutely. Brad Riggins is tough as they come behind the scenes, too. I want to go to the next list. I want to apologize to Tim Hartford uh, sent this list, and I didn't tell him born. So there's a guy on this list who probably we can't really give credit for, but he does have some. Okay, so Rick Flair, perfect. And then we have Brood and Lesnar, all great. Honestly, however, you also put Iron Age, and I'm sorry, Tim, but that hillbilly was from Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> He's our Rome, Georgia, actually. Did you say Lesnar? Wasn't Lesnar, like, born in Montana? I know he Ooh. went to college in Minnesota. Yeah, good question. Maybe Brady Brock doesn't make this, too. Let's check that out right now, Joey. Well, hit me with that uh, Jeopardy theme song on the soundboard. Mm. Do you have that ready? Uh, let me see. Let me. I'm gonna hit a button that I've not hit before that I don't think, and we'll see what it does. Oh, that's a good one. Hold on, I'll experiment. I think I've hit this button. We'll see. Oh yeah, Joey. crowd's going wild. Crowd's going wild. I have the answer. South Dakota. So uh oh, will not be in there. Oh shit, that's and, not uh, the sound effect I wanted. I was looking for. So Lesnar and Arn are off the list. Amazing how in wrestling these guys can be so affiliated with the spot that they're not necessarily from. Yeah. In fact, I'm just going to do another list here because we have a similar problem. Randy Oscar got a spot back one. Oh, Randy got a spot back one, too. So oh, wow. Yeah. Kurt Henning, Rick Rude, Lesnar, Rick Flair. Oh, yeah. So Lesnar. You have to put us Lesnar. So we'll have to. Again, unfortunately, Brock didn't actually make that cut. He was born in South Dakota. He got us. Damn. Next up on the list, I got Scott from Voluntown. And he had originally fallen into the trap where he thought Arn had been from Minnesota. But then checking it out, he realized it was Rome, Georgia. But he has Kurt Hennig, Rick Rude, Jerry Lynn, Vern Gagne, and Sean Waltman. He does have Sean Waltman. Actually, I have his look right now, too. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to be the next one you were going to go up to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> shit, man. I just stole your spot. That's all right. Solid list. Jerry Lynn, a guy that's come up on a couple lists, but he would have slipped my mind a lot of the times for being from Minnesota. Sean Waltman, I would associate with Florida, too. I don't know why in my head. He trained with the Malenko. That's so. probably it. Yeah. So, my list, I got Ravage and Root. I also have Bob Backlund. I got Vern Ganya. Kurt Henning, and because I helped win the show, I will not be picking Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I will be substituting him with Sean Watman. <laughs> Great pick, Scott. <laughs> nice. So we got Kurt Henning that made a couple lists. Would you Bob put- Backlund actually made a few lists here. I picked them, Randy picked them, and Mike picked them. I'm going to put Bob Backlund on the list just because I feel like he deserves it. And, I mean, Flair's got to go on there, right? Yeah. Flair and Rude and Henning all made a lot of lists here. Let's just look at those guys real quick. I think I got Flair on. I forgot to put Flair on my list. That's fine. He made so many lists anyway. Uh, he made Tim's list. He made AJ's list. Mike didn't put him down. And did Scott put him down? No. No, wow. So, okay, how, who, who else? Did you have Flair? I had Flair. 
Jesse okay, from New so Hampshire had flair. Okay, okay. So flair will make it. And I'm seeing Henning on almost everybody's list. Henning's on everybody's Sorry. list. Rick Rude is almost on everybody's list. So why don't we... Oh, God. Let's, ah, yeah. <laughs> why don't we go... Let's discuss it between Flair and Flair Rude. And oh, Flair okay, and Hedick? Yeah, Flair, Hedick, Backlund, and Rude, right? Was there someone else you want to put in there? Yeah, we got to have a top three though. So who do we who do we keep in there? Do we keep Henning, Backlin, and do we debate Flair Rude, or do we put Flair in there and debate Henning Rude? I, I feel mean, like Flair should go. I mean, Flair's arguably the greatest wrestler of all time. So let's put Flair in there. Yeah, Flair will go in there, and then we'll argue Henning Rude because I think that's closer of a yeah. debate. It is. I, I, I totally agree. Yeah, that's perfect. No fun intended. They're both solid upper mid-card dudes that could be in a main event. Yeah. Almost guys yeah. that didn't necessarily need a title. Dude, this is so close. Like, let's talk about it for a second. All right. Neither one of them ever held a WCW or WWE heavyweight title. But Kurt Henning was the AWA heavyweight champion on the tail end of that company would still be in a big deal. All right. He won it from Nick Boxingville. He went on to be a multiple-time WWE Intercontinental Champion. Rude held that Intercontinental title, and then also went on to win the U.S. title. Not sure if Henning did that. And then Rude had the big gold belt, which was the NWA World title before NWA pulled. Like, you know, they didn't want to be a part of WCW anymore. They went through that. So when when Rude actually won that belt from Flair, it became an international title. So I guess my point is, their accomplishments are very similar. Yeah, I mean, I would almost give it to Rude since he had the big gold at a time. He had the U.S. championship. Hennig had other championships, but his spot in wrestling just seemed to be to make everybody else good. Like, looking at Rude's career, I wouldn't have realized he had that many credentials. Yeah, and I think the thing about Rude is, too... Now, here's the one difference, though. Rude did not have as many main events in his career as Kurt Hennig did. Hennig had a good run with Hulk Hogan on a lot of house shows and stuff like that. And, you know, going to see the Saturday's main event. I think Rude, they were, uh, I heard this on another podcast today. They were talking about, like, he had, like, one main event in WCW. It was, like, the war game. For whatever reason, they never put him in that main event slot. So, it's definitely, they're very arguable. They're very close. I'm going to agree with you, Joey. I'm going to say that Rude is going to get the point nod in this case. God, he was just so good. He was so good. Yeah, and he's going to suffer the fate of almost anybody that gets argued into that third spot. Between Backlund, Flair, and Rude, I feel like you got to balance Rude just because Backlund is known for like his longevity in the business. Just being a technical giant, he held the WWF title at a time when it really meant something. He went from almost WWF to WWF in the Madison Square Garden era. And Did you ever... Go ahead. Go ahead. And I mean, if b- between him, Flair, and Rude, obviously Rude's got to go. I agree. Now, and then some people might disagree with that. Like, Rude's got this great personality. And hey, we're just going off these kayfabe accomplishments, folks. <laughs> right? And Backlund has also been in the business for so long. He's also very legitimate. Now, one thing about Backlund is we get into this one on one with Rick Flair here. There's a story I heard recently on kayfabe commentaries. It's very old, but it was superstar Billy Graham. And he was talking about Bob winning the, the belt. And he said that it was one of the very few mistakes that Vince McMahon Sr. ever made. In the sense that, you know, when he put the belt on Backlund, that, you know, Superstar was actually very hot as a heel. That people wanted to cheer him. And he said with Bob Backlund, there was a lot of signs. He said, like, howdy, duty and whatnot. 
but what the story was great was, I guess the next night, Bob is going, you know, to the, do the curtain, and he's got those long robes he used to wear. Those long, like, you know, like almost like a, I don't want to say a boxing robe, but he had that long, like, almost like a bathrobe type thing, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, they had the belt, it was, uh, you know, underneath the robe. And I guess this senior's like, Bobby, you got to show the belt. The people came to see the belt. And then Bathroom was just almost like, according to Superstar, child, like, and he goes, I like my robe. <laughs> and then she's like, no, Bobby, the people, the belt, they need to see the belt. But Vince, I like my robe. I like my robe. Okay, so what I'm getting at with this here. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't think to wear the belt on the outside of the robe. That would just look fucking silly, almost. You know what? He couldn't do it, man. He couldn't do it. So I was going to say, at the end of the day, I love me some Bob Backlund. He's legitimate. He's fucking amazing. He's probably underrated. But I'll be damned if he's going to get my vote over the greatest wrestler, woo, oh God, of all time, <laughs> the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Bob Backlund, I love you. Kiss my ass. It's funny that you told the robe story because, I mean, the man that's winning this week, Ric Flair, there's obviously no argument for me, was also known for the very flamboyant robes and being a multiple-time champion with it, so that's pretty hey, unlike Bob, unlike Bob, Flair had no problem taking off his robe. Just ask some of those ladies who got to ride Space Mountain back in the day. Woo! <laughs> Exactly. And guys, that is another week of the 531. I mean, you heard us earlier. We're a part of the All Everything Entertainment Podcast Network. Go on over to their website. Check out their list of shows. They are top-notch dudes to allow us in and not make us change a thing about what we do. So listen to them and listen to some more of us next week. Thank you. Main event time, baby. Main event. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.com. FM, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 